You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Hey, Matty, we are live. I can't Page. see that we're live. Math- Matthew Brown. We're paging Matthew Brown. Yes, we are live. Producers are really? really mad. It just right is scheduled on my thing. Oh, really? I was joking. You actually don't know that we're live right now? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, anyway, I can see it live. now. Yeah, what? We've got 14 there. people and it's gone down to eight because they're all like, they're, okay. you're a loser. Um, um, I'm not a loser. The Seattle Seahawks the are Seahawks losers. They've, are. They, they've lost 27 mm. 23 to the Atlanta Falcons. They've fallen to one and two. The Falcons have risen or, or sawn, soared to uh, one and two. Disappointing defeat. Uh, and just really quickly, we're gonna we're gonna start with the defense because realistically, the offense is a more positive way to finish things. If you think about the average NFL score of last year being 23 points uh, and 24.8 the year before, the Seahawks offense scoring 23 points ain't that bad. Now there was uh, an unfortunate finish, which was bad for Geno Smith's brand. But you know, Seattle had eight drives total today, which is 2.875. Uh, points per drive and last year Kansas City was the best offense points per drive at 2.81 so they were they were doing pretty good on offense um Pete Carroll mentioned about in, in his post-game press conference how tricky the league is and how close it is and it's fine margins and you just have to finish really though it was very hard for the, the Seahawks to finish because their defense only forced one punt on the day they allowed 179 rushing yards um, they got a turnover, a takeaway, but it was very fluky. Like it was literally gifted to them, gift wrapped on the yeah. plate, and I'm not sure they've got the stop there. And um, Nuosu, Uchen and Nuosu, he had the unfortunate task of going up to the uh, the press conference, and he said how they beat themselves, which is not the best thing to hear. Uh, really, 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 really disappointing. And there, there was just so many errors on, on defense, particularly where they just couldn't get a stop. They looked really bad, um, particularly the run defense and sort of with the benefit of hindsight, but it was kind of on my mind. Seattle, like, this was the worst possible matchup for them. Like, the Falcons run the ball really well, but they also have two mismatch threats. So it's like how much middle field closed where you leave one-on-ones on the outside yeah. or, or quasi one-on-ones with Carl Pitts and Drake London, with Mike Jackson in particular playing against them. Do you play to try and stop the run because you have that extra guy in the box? But then do you try and get away with more middle field open where you have one less guy in the box so you're light against the run, but you're giving help with Jackson and giving help with Tariq Woolen on the outside for London and Pitts? So it sucks. Uh, Griff, where where do you want to take this? Yeah, so 
big picture view, they have like they're still operating from the same schematic like umbrella you could say as last year but the within like if you can maintain that as the premise within that umbrella they have essentially thrown out the baby with the bathwater um in efforts to become more aggressive and it's hurting them um now part of the reason there a big portion of this is that while i like the talent of woolen and i you know there's some some stuff to like with Mike Jackson. Um, they have only a fifth of their starting secondary that they thought they were going to be starting the season with playing. Now, in the spirit of competition, guys got to earn it and everything. Like that's part of their brand, right? Lean into it. So even if like this group progresses, this beginning period is going. To, there's potential anyway for problems to arise, and that's clearly arising right now. But so in junction with the incontinuity in the back end and. It, with the incontinuity up front that is not personnel related so much as the schematic tweaks within it. It's just, it's too much at once. And clearly they're not handling it. And what that means is like they played, they played this big, slow three, four front last year. And they, um, they shut down the run. They felt even from too high. They plugged all the gaps. They were, they played really sound at the second and third level in coverage and then they had this huge yak issue because the front they were playing, obviously, as we know, didn't didn't accentuate your pass the talent, the pass rushing talent that you do have, which made you know, the second level was covering deeper and longer. That meant the check down or any or any or screens would go for longer yards because at that point it's like legitimately geometry, right? You're just distance from the the next from the ball that second level defenders are deeper than you would have been otherwise. So. Obviously, this year they were trying to go, okay, well, how do we keep what we have and then also improve our aggression so that we can defend all three levels of the field? And so far, the early returns are they can't defend any of it. The The explosions are either coming from communication busts, which I think the communication part we can put on. Like So that fourth, that third and 18, Josh Jones, and that's part of this conversation, Josh Jones is not playing very well. The other part of it, and Pete mentioned, was that the cloud corner needs to get deeper. It's third and eighteen. That's a yeah. And that, to that, that to that point, Griff, Pete Carroll mentioned that in his post game press conference. He, I mean, I, I live tweeted it at the time, and we pick you picked up on it clearly as well. That like Tariq Woolen had no route to cover, and Carroll said we needed to sink more, which is the cornerback referring to the cornerback needing to get his butt to the sideline and look deep to short for work. He needs to look for work. If he'd looked for work, he'd have picked up that intermediate crosser. Carroll said, we rolled that way, imply, you know, was cover two to that side. And he's called it the big one we gave up and we gave it to them. That was muted. Yeah. We're, and we're unmuted. So, yeah, it's um like right now there's some, some significant like zone communication, rules communication issue with with the, with the defense, and I don't know, maybe if Sydney was in there, maybe if Artie Burns, who was not a Seahawk, but he was with Desai, he knows a lot of the terms, right? Um, maybe they still have those issues because mm. even though they're they have they have background with what they're with what they're doing, um, and I probably undersold this, and you, Maddie, you didn't. You you emphasized it probably the correct amount was that they're changing their language, and because they're changing their language, even if the rules are very similar how you get into what you're doing and when knowing what to do what right all that stuff uh hmm. that that can also be a disadvantage if there isn't that continuity so i just oh. feel like 
the personnel issues on the back end is a lot right now combined with the mm. minor scheme tweaks it magnifies it uh, other point on that as well is that the scheme emphasis right so like last year they were still yeah they ran a, like a fair bit of middle field open down the stretch particularly on clear passing downs like what they called cleo they now call cover eight but half quarter quarter defense right they, they established that and it, it worked but they were still a middle field closed team predominantly in that they had a variety of middle field closed pass coverage. This year, middle field closed, and that's, I'm talking cover three, cover one. They have cover one rat, right? They have cover one robber, okay? So they've got two types of man defense, but they only call them on passing downs and they don't really trust their guys to play cover one. Then cover three wise, they have saw, so a three deep, three under fire zone out of their base front, tight front. And then they have cover nine, which is weak rotated to cover three sky. They only have two types of cover three and two types of cover one. Last year, they'd have had five types of cover three if they wanted to get to it, plus cover three fire zones, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, Sorry, yeah. I should say they have a cover three fire zone in nickel, which is um, sending the nickel off the edge. But like they're just, they're just, they're, they have more middle field open coverages. Like, for instance, in... Uh, well, they kind of did and they kind of don't. Last year, they'd fire zone and play middle field open out of their base bear. But basically, they've lost uh, coverage variety. So when teams get them in situations where they're wanting them, you know, they're wanting to stop the run more, teams know what they're getting, which is a fire zone if it's base and and a middle field close. And if it's not base, they're getting weak rotation cover three or a fire zone out from the nickel or, or the safety. Like, it's there's no there's not like plugging a safety into the weak hook or pl- and plugging the safety into strong hook. There's no buzz stuff. And and they may have been able to do that with Jamal Adams. Maybe that was the yeah. plan. But yeah. they don't, they they don't do it with Josh Jones. They don't have that versatility. And so the blocking assignment for the offensive line is the same every single time. And so they're also lacking that, along with the language transition. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think Jamal Adams, like, I think, pulls out by the root a huge portion of their of their playbook and that's it's you're not just losing you're not just losing adam's ability because he makes a huge difference in a lot of these situations i think um you're you're losing you're you've you're throwing out because josh jones in that defense is, has a specific role in a lot of it like the nickel and dime stuff so you're you're, th- you're throwing out the the def- the types of calls you'd like to throw out there that you think are apply to certain situations the best so you're not just losing adams as a player you're losing a section of your defense too with it and that's why jamal adams is an important player because it allows you to get into that stuff there there's there's a domino effect there um so yeah but and like when they aren't busting communication things this was a game where in contrast i think to the first two weeks the corners were just getting beat and now it wasn't like separation necessarily they were just getting beat at the catch point and you know, Kyle Pitts is, is going to do that. He's going to moss people. So I think you just kind of have to swallow, you know, take a big gulp and just accept it. Um, uh, you know, so outside of that, it's I think the rest of their issues. Um, are, all right. So one, one silver lining after the first two drives, I think the the communication over the middle of the field, like the stuff that wasn't related to the corners, the more the safety and the linebackers i think they were actually solid they didn't have any major issues over the middle of the field in in pass defense um like Mariota started scrambling he was taking coverage sacks right so i actually i think that's i think that that's a good sign that the defense still has a pulse of what it's trying to be um 
and then you, you you wonder okay can the the guys on the perimeter do they keep do they continue to improve do you put sydney out there I, it was interesting that he was in an active this week but i feel like sydney and Tariq with sydney at left corner they could grow together um because here, here back back to the continuity point hmm. when sydney jones was the first acquired last year, right? And he started playing finally. Um, he was busting everything that was not like one-on-one coverage situations, like zone principles, everything, right? And then as season went on, his one-on-one play continued to improve, but then he was like rock solid with, you know, knowing how to pass off, pass off routes with the, um, to the cover two side with the, uh, with Ugo mm-hmm. and the vertical hook. He was getting under underneath corner routes and not breaking routes when playing, you know, the cloud, uh, you know, good double coverage and quarters, right? And then he was in man coverage. He was just, well, they didn't play a lot of them. But in cover three, he was doing his job. He didn't give up anything deep. So he was he was essentially the player they needed him to be over time. So we see Tariq busting that. We see Mike having some issues. If they if they think Sydney can get up to speed with whatever he does need to get up to speed with, maybe you expect Tariq's coverage, one-on-one coverage to normalize and you just throw up for Kyle Pitts and let Kyle Pitts have a day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think that's where optimism is. I think they do need to consider putting in Sydney and possibly yeah. Ryan Neal. Um, Maddie, if you have any other thoughts on well, the secondary, we, well, should, just we should talk that, the front too. Just that, you know, I think, I think, you know, I do wonder how the emphasis on trying to match up with receivers more and play tight is sort of, mm-hmm. like at a certain point you lose zone principles. You lose that, covering a landmark and then finding the deepest guy you you do lose that and i wonder if you know they haven't quite found the finer points of landmark stuff because they're trying to match up with receivers more even if seattle's defense in the past did match up with receivers more certainly more than most people would you know make out uh and and i want to bring ty in but i, I just wanted to say as well yeah sorry mm, yeah. It's, it's been far too long um, <laughs> I, I've, I've been watching uh russ here uh struggle. And oh, uh, enjoying every moment of it. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just want to say as well, it's crazy. Like that. Like it's easy to talk about the run, but like a halftime, Mariota had 183 passing yards on just eight completions, which is just nuts. Yeah. And like some of that is just Mike Jackson had a tough time against Pitts in London. Um, Tariq Woolen gave up a catch over the middle where he 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 really struggles the time when he pl- pl- plays the ball in that kind of undercut position he's he's missed a pass breakup on that in, on his college tape a few of them and also now he did it in the preseason uh, uh against pittsburgh he struggles uh, undercutting crosses and, and getting the ball incomplete and that's just a timing thing and maybe it'll just improve with exposure to that situation i know i'm i'm sure it will but it's just a tough moment for him but ty i mean you you don't you don't get quite as uh, weird as me and Griffin when it comes to watching defense, but that that was rough for you, right? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> congratulations to Tariq Wollin on his first career interception, and that's about where the positives die. Um, it was awful. Uh, the tackling, awful. Uh, more penalties at an opportune at a, in opportune times. It's just. You know, <laughs> and I mean, you can't give up 179 rushing yards. You can't do that. Uh, and, you know, I don't have all the explosives here, um, but just listen to some of these big gainers for, for the Falcons. 40 yards, 28 yards, 30 yards, 26 yards, 22 yards. Just can't do that. Just can't can't do that. And of course, you know, like you guys uh, mentioned with with London and with Pitts, you know, they have some guys that 
um, you know, they just cause uh, matchup issues uh, for the defense. But still, it's you know, you you go up against a, a team like the Falcons, and you just you can't you can't do this. You can't do this, and especially with the third down struggles again, um, struggles you know to get guys three and out, um, and you know, third and nineteen, you can't give that up, no matter who your opponent is. Doesn't even matter if you're mm. playing a perennial Super Bowl contender. You can't give up third and nineteen. Just can't do that. Nope. So you know, so it's just it's just bad across the board. Um, you know, the the pursuit angles are still awful. Uh they can't set the edge to save their life. Um and you know, they're they're just they're not limiting the damage at all. And they're not putting themselves in, in any sort of favorable situation whatsoever. And it's just, you know, this is gonna happen. This is going to happen as long as long as this continues, uh, you know, and of course, you know, we can get into the scheme and everything, but just fundamentally speaking too, this team is in hell right now. Um, and so it's yeah. just, it's really frustrating to watch. Um, and, you know, the, this loss to me begins and ends with the defense, right? You know, a lot of people blaming the offense and I know, you know, again, and we're, we're going to get into it, you know, they only scored three points in, in the second half, but mm-hmm. The way that the the way that the offense was moving the ball, um, you know how efficiently they were moving the ball today. I don't know. Like, there's just a lot of bad takes right now on social media. A lot of fingers being pointed. Oh, at are there? Wrong people. Yeah, yeah. I must <laughs> yeah. have muted all the accounts. I think I've done a good job muting. I mm. think I managed to avoid all that. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential, and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, so it's it's just, I don't know, it's... uh. It, you know, it's really disappointing, especially to see a, a Pete Carroll defense play in this way. Um, mm. And, you know, I'll say what you've been saying, Maddie, and what you've been saying, Griff. Ken Norton Jr. did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll do the, say that for another day. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of problems which are in some ways familiar, except they can't stop the run now. Uh, and they, they still can't stop the pass. But. Uh, anyway, yeah. that's for another day. But what Ken Norton Jr. did do was he, Griffin, used bare fronts a lot more often. So that's where you have the the center covered, you have both the guards covered, and you have two wide edges. Now, with Hurt coming in, he's running a Fangio defense, well, the Fangio language at least, and using some Fangio concepts. Fangio did similar, like that's where... You know, I'm sure some of the well, we thought some of the like reasons for the change to these bare fronts of 2020, 2021, what is their main base front? We thought that it came from partially Clint Hurt's influence, right? So then to yeah. see them, to see them not use them, to see them, well, I mean they use them, 
But to see them be a predominantly nickel, 4-2-5, even front team and get gashed against the run and not run stunts up front and just be embarrassing up front, like, Ty's right. The fundamentals are wrong, right? That doesn't help. But the fa- like going back into the scheme, like why are they why are they doing this? <laughs> why why are they so insistent on this? Like, on even like new- normal downs, like again, even against some heavier personnel looks, like what? Why Griffin? Yeah, so it's all in the name of they're trying to keep their their defensive line juiced up to get after the passer, and obviously whatever they are gaining in pass rush isn't enough to isn't enough to offset the losses they're getting in the, in the run game. And also they, their whole pass defense has so many issues well, anyway. I don't think it would even make a difference. Because think um, about the edge rushing personnel, right? Like if you think about the even front teams in the league, yeah, like yeah. the 49ers you're playing right now, they don't have 250-pound outside linebackers being asked to set the edge. They have, right. they have a Bosa who obviously is a ridiculous player, but he's more like 260, 270s, right? You right. have more of a 4-3 DN. And you, you even might have a guy and you play them wide nine and you let them get upfield. And because they have the, the strength as well to cause problems, they can they can get up. Seattle doesn't have that. They're, they're relying on like agile guys who are trying to take inside moves and, and beat blockers and dip under it. But they can't really set the edge. Right. Right. Um, so is it the other aspect of this is that when you present an even front, it makes it a lot easier to set protections like the like the math. Mm-hmm. Um, even though when you are in a bare front and you're trying to rush for your when your second edge is um, you know, or when you're when you're the other edge of your defense is a 300 pounder because you're dropping your other edge, your outside linebacker into coverage. Yeah, you lose that, but you can still ensure that you're getting one on ones with your whoever your 250, 260 guys that is actually rushing if, if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in this, when you're in this four down front, I mean, I feel like Daryl Taylor, I feel like they're half sliding to Taylor's slide, Taylor's side, and he's getting chipped and everything. And he's not able to get clean, clean rushes the way that he has. Um, so I don't, I don't know if, if this is working right now. And it begs the question, like, when they go nickel, and you asked the question last week, when we all did, why are they not playing nickel bear, nickel three three five personnel which, instead of nickel four two five personnel? Which, last year they played nickel bear out of four two five personnel. This year they could do the exact same, but out of three three five personnel because they're technically a three four in personnel now. But like, it's very simple to go like that, and I don't know why we haven't seen it at least on one snap. It's very unusual. This game, we saw more kind of underfront stuff in, in base, 3-4. Again, because they're worried about the C-gap issue that we spoke about. But it was still predominantly, you know, 4-2-5 or 2-4-5, whatever you want to call it, but even four down-looking fronts. And the other thing is, if you're going to do that, right, and so you're relying on a cornerback because you're playing middle forward open to play force, well, if they, if they come out in a slot formation, so nub, and have the cornerback as the force to that tight end, and then they mo- they motion um and you've you've set your front uh, in a way that is using the the d end out there um to the tight end uh and then they motion uh to the cornerback and remove him from the core because he has to follow the receiver outside and then you, you don't have a force player so then you've got to do something up front to change the math but it didn't or maths as I'd say for the British listeners who there's obviously so many um but. 
they didn't do that. Like, I don't think they moved like more than ten, like five times in this game. Now, obviously, we need to watch the tape. Tape episode will be out on Friday, where we'll sort of uh, be like an autopsy, I guess. But it didn't seem like they were doing much mechanically up front. Whereas, like against the 49ers, what changed was they went into they went into the tight front more, like their bare front, and they they pirate stunted. So the the end and the three six slanted over to spill the ball, and they also did it from their over nickel front, and and they pirated and had a, a strong safety out there as like the secondary fourth player. So it's like, I, I don't know, man. It's it's a very confusing defensive game plan. I, I don't know if there's much more to add, uh, either of you. Um, Can we talk about the good stuff? The the offense? Yeah, the, sure. The, the, so, Gino, the Gino, yeah. So before we talk about Gino cooking uh, semi, semi good, uh, please do, if you're watching on YouTube, like the video and comment because that, that boosts us up. We got got loads of viewers right now, which is very exciting. Uh, and yeah, G- so Gino Smith, he was 32 of 44, as you can see on a lovely graphic produced by Ty, with two touchdowns and his one interception came, you know, in a, in a situation where, uh, you, I mean, he did try his best to make a play. It was fourth and forever. Um, they, they, you know, they dropped under everything. Like Lockett was kind of open. Gino could have made a slightly better throw, but realistically, you're not, you're not going to win there. If I break down some... A key decision was they were fourth and two at the Falcon seven yard line. Uh, it was 2020, a 2020 game. I think that's correct. And they had the opportunity to go for it. Um, I felt they should have gone for it because of how poorly the defense was playing. I, I was confident the, de- the offense could get back down there, but I, I just didn't think the defense would be good. Uh, Seth Wold of ESPN broke it down as the win, per- win percentage for going for it was 61.1%, but the win percentage if they decided to kick, which they did, was 58%. What was frustrating about that sequence was how they also took a timeout. Um, but it was, but you know, afterwards it's clear the players weren't right on the field. Not Gino, but the rest of the offense wasn't ready, so they didn't want to make a mistake. Like, I guess the 49ers, where they they made a, a poor play um, uh, with that interception from the Wildcat. So anyway, really, you know, Gino's performance and his process was excellent. The fact he dropped back 44 times when they were running the ball so effectively, I think is evidence of that Pete Carroll will always, he's not a run-heavy coach. He just does what his players are best at, right? Like we've been saying this for ages. Griffin's gone back to USC data of how he used his quarterbacks then. Like he does what his quarterback's best at. Gino's really good into the intermediate areas mm-hmm. and being uh, accurate in the intermediate. So you can do more of that, right? Because there's there's more on there and it's it's less risky in theory. Like it's not, and you can only do, as Griffin's also said a lot, you can only do so many sideline go balls. Like, so if we're thinking about the old previous quarterback, whereas Gino, there's there's more options, especially in the drop back game. Um, Hence why he's dropped back 44 times when, what was the, and they've been pass heavy every single game. But, uh, and I'd have liked Seattle to run more. I'm not going to lie. Like when the run was doing so well, but like, mm. let, let me just get the Russian figures up. Yeah, Penny was 14 for 66, 4.7 yards. DJ Dallas, 3 for 21, 7 yards per carry. Kenneth Walker, 3 for 19, 6.3 yards per carry. Travis Homer, 1 for 7, 7 yards per carry. So they were going off. Um, so yeah, G- Gino played well, Griff. Yeah, um, and it's weird that the the um, their issue for their prospects right now this year is not quarterback related. Um, you know, so Griff, like to your point, he's like, honestly, one of the most watchable things about this team right now. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And it, it's crazy that he can, you know, he's converting a, a third and eight after, 
a third and eight in tight coverage in this in you know is, is a window that opens and shuts to Tyler Lockett after DK Metcalf drops, you know, perfectly placed ball at the scene. Granted, it was tipped, but it was rifled in there enough that it was a little wobbly, but you can still catch that. I know it makes it harder, and I think feel like the tip is wasn't the tip so much that it obscured the vision for DK, but that's the ball that still gets caught every every week in the NFL. So mm-hmm. um so I mean, yeah, I mean Gino is executing the offense. He's giving them what they need. He underthrew the one fade ball. And that's a ball that he can throw. I mean, he's I feel like he just babied that one a little too much, like he over aimed it. Um then when he threw that near interception deep down the middle, you know, like he was from a stationary position. That's the throw he's made. He can throw he can throw the middle hole shot, but he needs to step into it. So it's like he needs to find a way to hitch into that throw, I guess. Um, so, I mean, we, but we saw we saw the 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 um, the spectrum with him this game, the limits mm-hmm. of the arm talent, but the arm talent that he does have, the decision making, yeah. the poise. He he avoided some sacks that could have been sacks, but they also protected. So when he's protected, and when his receivers are catching the ball, I mean, he's he's a high quality operator, and within a certain range, he has. I think he has uh, well above average accuracy and he's playing with timing and everything. It's like, he's controlling all of it. So if, if, if they, if this team is a bottom five team this year, I don't think it has to be because of him. Mm-hmm. So that's also an exciting part. So that means that if they're going to be even remotely competitive this year, which feels like a huge if right now, you know, uh, he'll, he'll be doing his part. So. Hmm. Yeah. yeah so the, He's been really good. It's just he's not good enough to mask the very glaring flaws that this team has. So he could still, you know, play like this for the next, you know, 14 games that they have and they could still, you know, lose like 10 plus of those. He's not Patrick Mahomes, like Yeah. Okay. Like But he 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 made some big boy throws today though. I got to tell you that. Like that was very impressive from from Gino. Even some of the you know passes mm-hmm. that that didn't end up going complete, like you know the the one that Griff mentioned, the the tip by Rashawn Evans. There, it's great throw trying to get that over uh, over Evans. He just you know Evans made a you know decent enough play to get a uh, fingertip on it. Um, but DK should still grab that. The throw to the back of the end zone to DK that ended up being you know uh, uh, incomplete because DK couldn't get his feet in bounds. I mean, yeah, you know. It, it ends up being incomplete, but that's a great throw, still, in my opinion. So, you know, just I, sometimes Gino, honestly, over the last three weeks, like some of these throws, like Gino's straight Delman, but, um, and it's it's really fun to watch. It's also like, I like that he's kind of, you know, taking some risks. And, you know, like Griff said, like he needs to step into like that one throw a little bit better. But I, just again, I don't, yeah, I don't so, know. Like, I, you uh, know, I'm seeing takes. Sorry, I know I keep on interrupting you. No, no, but no, like, no, I, no, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> but I keep on seeing takes on on Twitter today. You know, or like, like it's it's time to go to Drew Lock. No, what the hell? Like, that's like you're pushing an antiquated narrative there. Um, that is completely irrelevant. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, this was Drew Lock would be a disaster on this team. They'd they'd yeah. like they'd get shut out straight up and like. I'm not trying to be a Gino apologist here, but like this wasn't Gino's fault. Gino no, did no. enough today to to win this game. There's obviously probably going to be some stuff that shows up on tape that looks like you know that that's like all right, he could have made a better decision here or whatever. But like for the most part, when you complete you know almost eighty percent of your passes, 
and you're able to drive the ball down the field and you're able to rack up, you know, 320 plus yards of, of passing and, you know, your offense as a whole goes 400 plus yards of passing, you're, you should be winning most of those games. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the issues of, you know, they only scored three points again in the second half. This unit is really, you know, whether it's on Gina or not, this unit is struggling to put up points, you know, and, and finish games off. But, you know, I think they only had three drives in the second half anyway, right? So, yeah, so... So the the Gino almost pick, right? Like he didn't step into mm-hmm. it. It was the right read, he just didn't step into it. And so he kind of missed the touchdown. That's bad. Almost pick on the stick route um to DK where I feel like he just trusted DK too much. Like the defender leverage was kind of giving it, and then the defenders played it well. So he kinda he got two let offs, right? But then the second half, now the Seahawks kind of have a second half problem. Like they've only scored six points in the three second halves of the twenty twenty two season, which is a small sample size. But the fact that that's been like in two close games and one game where they were behind chasing, that's like, to me, like, I need to like go back and watch the tape. But like, to me, Waldron might have an issue there. Like, also, mm. interestingly, like the Seahawks tight ends, right? In the first half against Denver, 98 yards, 17 points. In the second half, four yards, zero points. In San Francisco, they had uh, 11 yards all game. Um <laughs> Um, and then versus Atlanta, first half, 61 yards, 20 points. Second half, 23 yards, three points. So the, the tight ends are important, and they sort of have dwindled out in the second half of games. Why that is, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I know on the last uh, drive, Gino, they came out in the, on the first play and tried to target two tight ends at the bottom of the screen in a 12 personnel formation where one of them was split out wide, and Gino got sacked. So they, they and- were still trying to get it to them. Gino said in the post-game press conference that he didn't get played any differently by Atlanta. They just made mistakes, right? Um, yeah. And 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 like the you know the the final moment where it'd be nice if Gino had done it, like that holding penalty where they would have been down at the eight and then they're in a really tough position, second and twenty, is so tough on Gabe Jackson. Like I don't know what a pancake's supposed to be. Like when when number seventy, the left tackle, false starts on like every single Puyo drop back. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't get it doesn't get called the whole game. They called it on a diff- on left guard when it actually, like I mean, to to then call that a holding penalty in Jackson when he just latches on and then knocks a guy over. That was very ticky tacky uh, and and seemed harsh. Um, again, uh, and also, how is that on? How is that Gino's problem? Right? Like how? how oh is that... no, yeah, no, yeah. it's not Gino's. Po- so then to that point, he gets him in third and eight, which is manageable ish. I mean, it's not, mm. but it's more manageable than uh, forever. And on the third and eight, uh, Grady Jarrett is Grady Jarrett. He lines up and beats Austin Blythe across the face. Gino does not have time to do anything there. Like, realistically, like, Russell might be able to, like, a Russell Wilson type might be able to, like, duck down and somehow spin out of that. But a pocket quarterback like Gino, you're not doing anything against that. You have to protect better or you have to just avoid, as Gino said, you have to stay in manageable downs. You can't get in those sort of pure passing situations, not just with Gino, with any like drop back quarterback because defenses are too good. Like Grady Jarrett can then tee off against you and then you're in fourth and forever. And that's not a winning formula. And as I said, at the start, it would be nice for Gino's brand and just for the team, if he could go and win a game. Right. But yeah. I've, he did enough throughout the course of that game to win. Like, and really that their drive, their, the game, when it, what should have been the game winning drive stalled through things, which were nothing to do with him. Absolutely. Nothing yeah. And, to uh, do with him. and if not for the holding call, Perhaps he does win this game, right? Because they're at the. I think they were at the. I think they were at like the eight yard line. It would have been the eight. And he got yeah yeah like, so you know I just 
And also, you know, I see people blaming Gino for the fourth and 18 interception. Are you serious? It's just, it's a desperate. He's just trying to make a play. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to make a play. It's a, a, you know, this is just, I don't know. Uh, Let's stop with the, the, with that narrative. That's ridiculous. Like there's a lot of issues with this team. Gino isn't one of them right now. Um, Yeah. And on that note, so like on the offensive note, and we talked about how Gino can play well and the protection is playing well. Falcons don't have a good pass rush. They have Grady Jarrett. They have Evie Katie, who we like, but I don't know if he did much this game or he's been doing much. Um, the, 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 they protected well. The, 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 ta- the rookie tackles held up really well, and the interior held up really well. Some stuff ha- happened, I think, on the final drive or two. But, I mean, if that's the continuity that they can get out of them, hopefully that has like a positive snowball effect um moving forward uh going up against the lions so um that's a good sign um dk needs to catch the ball a little bit more than he is and i think we'll be fine so the offense can be fine so long as they don't run into the 49ers again in particular mm. so griff you actually posed this question because you're a very smart person but um you asked you know can they fix this? Because they've had slow starts on defense. This is what I'm talking about. They've had slow starts on defense before. Um, now, can they fix this with um, and get better like they did last year and the year prior? Can, can that happen? Or are they doomed? I mean, as outsiders, like we have no idea what's going on internally, what they're seeing in practice, what, what the actual health of Sidney Jones and Artie Burns is, right? But if it were me, I would think play Ryan Neal, and play Sidney Jones at left corner and then play more three, four up front and then offset what you're missing and pass rush with some fire zones here and there, and then go play ball and put together some weeks and then reevaluate, then sprinkle back in the four down stuff as you feel it's necessary. That's what I would think. Like, I feel like they have the resources in the building, you know, to make, yeah. to, to write the ship. They, but, they, but they Griff, turned Clint- Clint Hurt said he wouldn't ever drop someone into coverage. I know, which is, it's just so funny. It's like, dude, you don't need to, I feel like, did he cave into public pressure or was it pressure from the players? You're like, don't ever do that. What's ironic I think, is now that I think being a player's this, first coach, I think that is part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what's ironic now that they're doing this yeah. is like, you've got less good passing they, downs they for the Vikings use- to tee off. And you've got guys being washed at the on the setting the edge. It's harder for them. They, they could use Carlos Dunlap and Kerry Hyder right now if this is what they're trying to be. They need a four-three end. Yeah, because they're 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 a four-three team. They're not a three-four team at the moment. That's what I'm saying. That's right. What I'm saying. Man, um, man, but they man. need to act like a three-four team. Um, <sighs> anyway, so they're running a four-three or three-four personnel. They, <laughs> they so they turned around the ship that started off horrifically in 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. they they were literally like one of the well, they actually weren't one of the worst defenses. Volume yardage, yes, but on the rate basis, they were like 20, 21st worst defense to start twenty twenty. And statistically, they were, I think, like top five. But then with a better, a better, you know, a more granular look, they were still like eighth, um, adjusting for opponent and everything. In the second half of twenty twenty, and then in twenty twenty one. They turned the ship around and they didn't take a full half season. They had like two bad, two, three bad games in the first five, six weeks. And then they, they, they turned it around pretty heavily with some, I think, injury related lapses. But the point is they turned it around. Um, 
we just concluded week three, so there's they've done it before. They can do it again, and I think they have the personnel to do that, but they need to, need to make some personnel changes with their depth chart, play their rules a little bit better, and see from there. But at this point, it's yeah, I think they can, but I have no idea if they will. So. I'd, I'd ask um, also, you know, uh, before we bring Ty in on that, um, I'd ask, you know, last year it was Pete Carroll's system that he and his language, right, which he's used for years, right? And that matters because he therefore knows, like, the kind of go-to answers. Like, how are they going to fix it if Carroll doesn't, you know, he's less familiar with this language? Sure, he knows what's going on, but he's still less familiar with the whole thing. Like, yeah, they're using similar concepts, but still, the emphasis is slightly different. It's different languages, as we've said. So that's a, a concern for me. Uh, maybe the solution is some kind of weird Frankenstein thing where they, they build in more stuff i don't know i'm not i'm not necessarily sure they can uh we will see uh ty do you think they can fix this or are they kind of doomed from the talent perspective and that's that that's that well i mean it kind of goes back to the conversation that you and i had on the um wednesday show that you know there are going to be growing pains for this defense because you are starting a lot of young guys and you know a lot of guys in general or a lot of young guys in general are getting uh quite a few reps but um yeah, I think there's some pretty glaring issues. I mean, the big one, you know, what you guys have talked about, Jamal Adams going down. I think that's completely just derailed their whole plan defensively this year. Um, and we're kind of already seeing that. And Josh and Josh Jones isn't, you know, he's nowhere even close to to what Jamal Adams is, and you know, we're seeing that very clearly. And um, you know, I think at the very least, the fundamental things will should sort himself out you know uh, theoretically speaking that just you know with more time um more experience especially for some of the young guys that 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 is going to improve but um you know there's some really really concerning things here right like and i i just i don't i'm not particularly sure if the um if the personnel matches up with what exactly they want to do right now so either they you know they tailor a game plan that's that's more in line with what they currently have on the field or you know they just wait and see if everyone can gel i just i I, you know i don't really know uh it's it's disappointing because it just it kind of seems like this is just going to continue week in week out and Um. knowing that knowing that that's probably going to be the case at least here for the next few weeks that i mean it's hard to get very excited it's hard to be positive about this right now yeah so private uh sorry not private chat uh youtube comments i mean we Mm. we have a private chat where we communicate a little behind the curtain there for you guys Mm. um youtube comments those of you watching please do comment your questions we have a few more minutes to go um we'd, we'd love to hear them uh i'm seeing this comment from carl and he asks, do we think Schneider will try and make any biggish moves during the season? I mean, they're in on everything. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think it depends I, on their record. If if they're yeah. like if they're five hundred or moderate like or one game above or below it at um trade deadline, I feel like he, he wouldn't hesitate to throw a early day three pick, third or fourth if, if there's some player, impact player that is on a a team that's struggling that they didn't expect to struggle and they're like all right fine we'll offload this contract i mean I even if he... they su- even if they suck though i kind of feel like if there's a long-term 
asset that they can yeah maybe. Like someone that's under contract for at least next year uh then, then probably i think they're going to end up doing something uh because especially when you've looked at you know other years that they've had that are kind of like this where they're you know if we want to just say that maybe the ceiling still for the let's be positive here for a second and just say like you know they could be like 2010 2011 um you know they made trades during those or they've you know made moves during those times as well so uh even when you know the the path of the postseason didn't look great so uh, i i think they can um get aggressive there it just you know again it depends on if the the right situation presents itself um and that would be someone that's you know not just under contract for this year right um i don't actually think they'll make a, a trade at all but that's i think I'm feeling a bit negative about Seattle's record. Although Ty makes a good point, but he's sort of got me believing in maybe a, a trade. So good arguing, Chai. But personally, I just don't. I don't see. That. And there, there's like a real chance that they like. If you look at the schedule now, it's, it's tough, guys. It's really tough. So yep. got uh, got to focus on the positives. Um, mm. Here we have a question from No Bro saying they said what's going on with jordan brooks i thought he was going to take a step up this year um i don't think he played poorly today agree i'm not sure i'm not sure anything that happened today was a result of the linebackers really um i think last week you know we talked about how like there's the adjustment period of how they're trying to fit the run too high structure with behind four defensive linemen instead of five presents challenges um but like some of that it looks bad on at first glance but it's really not the linebackers faults like the the collective run fit how it's organized it puts them at a disadvantage but it's to a defensive lineman's advantage um i thought i think brooks and coverage has been fine i mean he was covering jerry judy step for step on an 18 yard dig route versus denver and beyond that he's been matching carrying routes sinking into dig windows and zone like i don't he isn't standing up. Maybe the tape will show like he busted stuff this game. I don't know. No, um, yeah. I, 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 I think, th- yeah, th- there might be an absence of like huge plays in the backfield, maybe. Um, but That's so, Pete, P- right. Pete Carroll talked about last week how when you're, he didn't use this term, but when you're using seven man spacing versus eight man spacing, or when you're playing two high versus one high or gapped out versus being out gaps, now that they're too high and they're, they're, they're more they're even though they're playing with one gap principles they've got eight gaps and seven guys in the box is what we're saying so mm-hmm. the linebackers have to play more laterally and more conservative they he don't even use the... the term full back you know you have right, to stack it which is like hiding behind your hiding behind your big lineman who's supposed to be playing heavy up front and they, pulling back they are rarely literally allowed to actually knife a gap into the backfield now like that's part of it here they're they're playing like those opportunities only present themselves based off what the how the gaps change or don't change. It's all very circumstantial. So yeah, we're seeing a lot more, a lot less gap shooting because they're being asked not to do that. So um Camden, of course, uh taking the opportunity to uh talk about fullbacks here. Hell yeah. So Nick Ballard. <laughs> Nick Ballard's right there. Yeah. And um, Camden, we, we right see there. we see your other question, Camden. But um Puna at fullback. We'll we'll get to mm. uh we'll get to that in the film. Puna, the film Puna pop pass at the goal line. Guys, there I'm trying to be professional here. <laughs> Let's be realistic. No, do you know what? <laughs> like if, if the season's gonna be like that, uh why not, right? Why the heck not? At least Puna would make a play. 
Um, <laughs> that seems like a Sunday night football thing, but they're not playing on Sunday night football. Thursday night football. I don't think they'll be on primetime that often. Uh, anyway. That, that's, a, that's a Thursday night football because they're at least getting that. That's a Thursday are, night football. They are. Yeah. Or maybe why not when we're in Germany, you know? Ooh. Little little German action, little uh something something. P- Puna out quarterbacking Tom Brady. I like uh, it. There we go. Yeah. But yeah, we'll um, get to we'll get to the other questions in here, which are kind of more tape related um yeah. next time. But thank you everyone for, for taking part. Um we appreciate you tuning in live. It's very exciting, at least for me. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be back. Don't don't you worry. We'll, we'll be consistent. So this Thursday or Wednesday, if you want to join us live, Ty and I, maybe Griffin, will be doing the news stuff. And then the next day, Thursday or Friday, if you're listening, we'll do the tape review and the preview of the Detroit Lions game, which looks honestly, given Detroit's strengths, I mean, at least their quarterback can't run. But like, that's a frightening looking matchup. I don't know when. Hopefully. When does Jameson Williams Williams come back? I am not familiar, but um, uh, probably a but bit longer. Amon Ross, St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift against us. Oh God! Oh boy! Oh. Anyway, f- thank you, everyone. Uh, we love you, and you know, ke- again, keep the faith because it can't get much worse, uh, especially on the defense. The the offense mm. and the offense is good. Like enjoy watching a pocket quarterback who processes well and um, you know, reads everything out and. Hits tight ends, you know. At least it's different. <laughs> Indeed. All right. We're on to well, well, we're on to Detroit. We're on to Detroit. Detroit.